hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving, um, traveling-wise and just family time and all that kind of stuff. For us, Thanksgiving is great. It's fun. It's, it's good family time. But the thing that we really, really, really like is Black Friday. Um, we are a big Black Friday family, and so that's something that my parents started doing when I was a kid. Um, they'd get up super early and go to the stores and fight people and tackle people and get their toes ran over by carts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, we've kind of got uh, done that too. Um, Sam is a beast. Um, when it comes to Black Friday shopping, we get up early. Uh, we got up early this, this past Black Friday um, and got a Christmas tree, a really nice one. And so that was awesome. Sam was, she was mean um, in a way. So she was, uh, it was good. It was very good. It was fun. But uh, but anyways, so we got up early, Sam and I got up early, went Christmas shopping, whatever, got a lot of Christmas shopping done, uh, which is really good feeling, like you feel accomplished, whatever, and you got really good deals. Um, but then later on, we kind of split up. So guys, and guys, so me, Grant, and Dad went shopping, and then Sam and Mom went shopping, so then we can shop for each other, get those deals, whatever. Um, something, first time we've done this. And so we go off and we do our thing, and uh, me, Dad, and Grant go to our first place, and uh, we see the thing that I can't say much because I don't want to give anything away, but it's large. Um, and uh, we're in my dad's car. My dad's car is not big. It's a Malibu, Chevy Malibu. So uh, we get it out to this thing. We get it out to the parking lot, and it's bigger than what we anticipated. We try to get into the trunk. doesn't fit. Um, as men, you just make it happen. And so you think, well, how can we do this? And so what we decided to do was put it in the back seat. Now, by doing that, we eliminated all the seats in the back seat. And so guess who lost their seat? This guy. <laughs> uh, so we're like, all right, now what? And so Grant has longer legs. He is taller. He may be younger, but he is taller. And so I'm so humble, and I'm such a servant. And uh, I decided to uh, be the one to cram in and sit on the floor of the car um, next to this giant thing, um, it was so uncomfortable, and it hurt a lot, and it was so salty. Uh, but it's it's all good. We got it home. It was all good, and then we ended up shopping for the rest of the time, whatever. The three of us have had many adventures over the years. It's just a guy thing. Like, we're really, really, really close. We love baseball. We love sports in general. Um, we've done a lot of things, fishing, trips, and uh, we've just done a lot of things together. There's one memory, one story in particular that I absolutely love, I cherish. It happened 10 years ago. I was in eighth grade. Um, yeah, I was eighth grade 10 years ago. Some of you cringed at that. Um, but uh, that is the case. So 10 years ago, I don't know if you guys remember this. You probably do. But when Hurricane Ike hit, it was 10 years ago, 2008, um, hit the Galveston and Houston area. Um, at the time, I was growing up in southwest suburbs of Chicago. So I wasn't even close to Texas. Never even been to Texas before. Um, but you know this is happening because it's a big deal. Um, this is September. So this is during baseball season. Like I said, we're baseball fans. Um, at the time, the Cubs were pretty close to winning a division, and then the Houston Astros were looking to win the wild card. And uh, so they're both competing, whatever. When Hurricane Ike hit, the two of them were supposed to play. And uh, I'm a Cubs fan, we're Chicago fans, whatever. And they were supposed to play in Minute Maid Park in Houston, but the hurricane hit. And so they had to find a mutual site. This happens not too often. It's pretty unique, actually. Uh, it really only happens for coastline, teams, cities, whatever. And so they ended up deciding to play in Milwaukee, which is not fair for Houston because <laughs> Milwaukee is basically Wrigley up north. 
Um, and so that's where it played. My dad hears about this, and he's like, man, that would be awesome to go to. Um, and so that night, uh, he's, you know, he's, uh, he brings this up, because I didn't really know about it. Grant didn't either. Grant was first grade at the time. And uh, we were uh, just talking about it, like, oh, that would be awesome. He's like, we'll go, but I'm not going to take you out of school. If school gets canceled, we'll go to that game. And me and Grant just start praying, glory, please, <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes, right? And, and for us, usually up north, you only miss school if it's snowing, if it snows a lot, or if it's actually, it's funny, today they're getting 12 inches of snow. Um, people at home are watching this. Sorry, it's 65 outside. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we moved. Um, and so, but it's only for snow and ice. That was typically the only reason why we ever miss school. It's September. It's 90 degrees out. That's not going to happen. Um, but Hurricane Ike. So the interesting thing about Hurricane Ike, it kind of came up north, and then it, it seemed like it sat on us because it just rained for a week. Um, and so what happened, 9 o'clock that night, it's crazy, Never forget it. Nine o'clock that night, we get a call from the district. School is canceled because of the rain the bus barn had flooded. And so all the buses got flooded, and so school was canceled. We went berserk. <laughs> we went nuts. Um, we, uh, we go upstairs, we're running, school's canceled, school's canceled, we're going to Milwaukee. And Dad's like, oh, no, what did I do? Um, and, uh, and we did. We did. We went to Milwaukee, went downstairs, got our tickets, Online, and then we went for the 105 game. We went to that game. Cubs won 6-1. Sorry, Houston. Um, Houston fans. It was, it was great. It was so, so, so much fun. Um, but the thing that I take away from that story, and really what, what speaks to me is, is my dad kept his promise. My dad promised that he would take us to that game if things happened, whatever. And it did. Those things went, came into place, right? Fell into place. Um, and he could have easily been like, no, i got to go to work tomorrow. i got a meeting. i got this. i got that. Whatever. Or just made up an excuse because he didn't want to drive all the way to Milwaukee, which is only a two-hour drive. Um, but he could have easily done that, but he didn't. He kept his promise. And what's awesome, so awesome, is that we have a heavenly father that is a promise maker, and he's a promise keeper as well. And, and we know that when we look at God's word, we see this, that yes, it's over and over. God is giving promises over and over again, and he's keeping his promises over and over as well. But what I want to look at is what is our role? What is our role? What, what is our responsibility, our job in God's promises? Because every single one of you have, has experienced some kind of a specific promise from God. Yes, we have the general promises of God. We have the promise of Jesus. We have the promise of salvation. But there's specific things that God has directed you to do or be, right? You've had those things, but what are we supposed to do? Just wait in a waiting room like a doctor's office kind of thing? Or do we do something? So that's what I want to look at today. If you could, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 17 is where we're going to be. Genesis chapter 17. I'm reading through the ESV. That's what I'm using today is ESV. Um, And so that's where we're going to start is Genesis chapter 17. A little bit of background when you get there. We're talking about Abraham and Sarah today. Um, What an awesome story those two are. And uh, if you go to Genesis 12, that's really the first time that God talks to Abraham and in that time, in Genesis 12, uh, Abraham was about 75 years old, and God promises, promises him three things. He promises a land, a name, and a nation. Land sounds pretty awesome, and that's what we know as the promised land. The name, you're, everybody's going to know you, you're going to be famous. But then a nation, a nation is going to come from you. Now, this is very unique and very, very interesting 
to Abraham and Sarah because Sarah was barren. They had never had children before. And they're old at this point, I mean, 75 and 65. And so to hear that that a nation was going to come from them, that's pretty miraculous. That, that has to be something pretty awesome right there. They were probably really, really excited about that. Like something that we've waited for so long, God's actually going to provide. God's going to give us children, give us a nation. We just wanted one kid. We're going to get a nation. Like, that's awesome. Um, and so that was pretty cool. Now, fast forward to... Genesis 15. Now, in uh, for us, it's you, you just flip a couple pages and real quick. But 11 years have passed. So from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15, 11 years have passed. Still no child. God reiterates His promises to Abraham over and over and over again. And Abraham's like, we still don't have a kid. Like this is, I don't know what's going on. He's like, just wait. Just count the stars. Just tell me your descendants are going to be okay, God. But then you go to Genesis 16. Sarah has an alternative plan. She's like, well, you know, it's culturally acceptable for me to give you my servant Hagar, and you have a kid through her, so then your name can go by. Maybe that's what God had in plan. Maybe that's, that's what we're supposed to do. And so that's what they did, and Ishmael came from that and, and whatnot. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit later. But then you go to Genesis 17. This is where we're going to pick up. Genesis 17, 13 years more have passed. So another 13 years, it's like big chunks of time is continuing to pass. Between 15 and 17, it's 13 years. So Abraham is 99 now. He's old as dirt. I mean, he's like walking around like this is, he's old, almost 100 years old. And God gives more specifics about the promise. He gives them the signs. He changes their name from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah. And then the, the sign of the covenant, which was circumcision. Ouch, like that hurts. Like, like how, really, God, did you really say that? If I saw Abraham at that time, I'd be running um, because I don't want that to happen to me. But, uh, but that happened. But then God brings up the kid thing again. It's like, really, God? So that's where we're going to pick up. Verse 15 is where we're going to start. Genesis 17, verse 15. It says this. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? It's laughable. They're so old. It's like, oh, we're not having kids. You're, that's, you're kidding me. That's not, that's not happening, God. But then Abraham says this, verse 18. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So Abraham's like, wait, wait, wait. I have a son, though. I have Ishmael. God's like, no, that wasn't my plan. You rashly made a decision without my consent on the matter, and you went and did this. But that's not what I had planned at all. I had something greater planned, but you acted out. You didn't consult me, and that's where the error was. I'm sure if they would have consulted God on the matter, he would have directed them in the right path. I guarantee it. But they did not. They didn't pray. They didn't ask. And so they just did it without his consent. Listen to this. It is not our role to fulfill God's promises. It's not our role. We're not God. It's His promises. We're not supposed to just make things happen. 
because we're impatient, because we just want it our way. This seems like a better way, God. But God's like, no, I have something so much greater planned for you. But you act it out. When we try to accomplish God's plan by worldly methods, we we produce complications. We make things complicated when we do that. And you see that in history. You know, there's so much jealousy with that whole thing with Ishmael. There's so much jealousy and hurt and pain and shame in that. And then there's this conflict that even today still, there's a lot of complications with that. And so when we try to force things, we're not supposed to force things. We're not supposed to force God's promises. And so we're not supposed to do that. And there, you know, God reiterates, your wife, Sarah, is going to have a son, and we're going to name him Isaac, which means laugh, to laugh. So basically giggles. We're going to name him Giggles. He shall be named him Giggles. Okay. Now fast forward to, to chapter 18. We're going to chapter 18. Not a whole lot of time has passed. This is probably within the same year, okay? I'll read this. Verse 1, chapter 18. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant." Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and that after you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. Verse 6. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. You need to be less demanding, Abraham. Um, if I spoke like that to, to Samantha, she'd hit me. Um, Quick, make pizza. Uh, not going to happen. I'd get hit. Verse 7. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk in the, in the calf that he had and prepared it, prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. This is a very interesting picture we have here. Um, it says that in verse 1 that God, that, that the Lord appeared. This is Yahweh's personal name of God, that the Lord appeared. And then these three men show up. They're hanging out with Abraham. These, Abraham's um, being very uh, generous and being a good host. And he's getting all this stuff, all this food. And they're sitting and eating and all this. But who are these three individuals? Well, if you look at the contextual clues, if you read the rest of 18, chapter 18, when you get into Sodom and Gomorrah, and then 19, you'll find out that two of these individuals are angels. And one of these individuals is a divine manifestation of God, a physical manifestation. This is not a vision. This is not something that he dreamed of, but this is an actual occurrence that Abraham had and Sarah had as well. It's very cool. So what we call this is a, is a Christophany. We know that God, uh, God the Father has not revealed himself in any way. He's in unreachable light, but God has revealed himself through the Son. And so this very well could be the Son of God spending time with Abraham and Sarah. Um, very cool, very interesting uh, situation right here and very unique. You see it a few times in Scripture, um, but it's very special in a way. So why are they here? Why are, they, why are these three people here? You go into the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, but it looks like they're taking a pit stop and wanting to talk to Abraham and Sarah. We'll see what's going on. Verse 9, if we can go there. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Oh, that's why you're here. <laughs> what did my wife do? Um, 
Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. She was eavesdropping. Like that's, Y'all don't do that, do you? You don't eavesdrop, ladies. Come on now. Um, verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah went, were old. We know this. They were old and advanced in years. The way of woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed, just like Abraham. They both laughed. That's very interesting. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Now, apparently they had communication issues because Sarah, um, Sarah seems like she's hearing this for the first time. It sounds like Abraham didn't tell her about what he heard in Genesis 17. This is the first time she's hearing about these kind of details, and so she laughs. But even in here, we learn that the, it says this, the way of woman has ceased to be with Sarah. Now, what this means is that she doesn't have a cycle anymore. She literally, physically cannot have children. I mean, she's 90 years old, for crying out loud. She's old. Um, so that makes sense. Yes, she was barren, but even that, even more so, she's physically unable to have a child. My Lord is worn out. Abraham's old as dirt. Um, this is not happening. Now, after all these things, now you're going to give me what, you've, what I've always wanted. Um, then moving on, it says this. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Mm. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. <laughs> it's really funny. It's like God is, is, is calling out Sarah in this way, like, I hear all things, and uh, you definitely did laugh. Um, you can't hide from me. Um, really, really funny dialogue there. But there's something deeper here. And what I want to point out is it's, it, what's interesting is that both of them laughed. Both, I mean, it is. It's laughable. They're so old. They're like, this ain't happening, God. Okay, whatever. But the laughs were different because you could see how the Lord responds to both laughs. If you go back to uh, Genesis 17, God doesn't really say anything about Abraham's laugh at all. But here he points out Sarah's laugh. The reason why is that this laugh that Sarah has is more of a laugh of disbelief, a laugh of skepticism, a laugh of doubt. <laughs> whatever, God, whatever. I've been waiting my whole life for this. I don't believe you. God, I've given up on that so long ago, I don't care anymore. Whatever, God. I literally don't believe you. That's kind of the laugh that she had, and that's why it provoked God to respond in the way that she did. But guess what? I don't blame her. 25 years. Now, she's been barren her whole life, so imagine the shame that she's had her whole life. She's not able, especially in that culture, to not be able to have children and not have a son for Abraham and all that kind of stuff. But also the 25 years, because God, you told me 25 years ago that I was supposed to have a child, a nation. I was going to have a, a nation. People were going to come from us, and nothing has happened. 25 years later, I am 90 years old. I am physically unable to have children. A lot of time has passed, God. What happened? You see, when time passes, a lot of times so does our faith. When time passes, a lot of times so does our faith. And that was the case for Sarah. 
you started out. Maybe I heard you wrong, God. Maybe I heard you wrong. Maybe, I, maybe you, maybe you really didn't mean it. Maybe I was supposed to do something else with Ishmael not good. I mean, maybe I should just give up. I have given up. Have you had these thoughts? I'm sure you have. I think we've all gone through a season of doubt where God has told us something or he's promised us something and nothing just hasn't been fulfilled. We haven't felt that. We haven't seen that happen, whatever it is. And we start to doubt. But God's response is awesome because his response is this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah, you are old, yes. You are unable to have a child, yes. But is that too hard for me? Is that too hard for me? The answer is no. There's nothing nothing too hard for the Lord. Here's the thing. Our role is not to define what's too big for God. It's not our role to define what's too big for Him because there is nothing too big for Him. But oftentimes we're like, no, I'm not going to pray for that because I don't believe it's going to happen. This person's too sick. This family member's too sick. I'm too sick. There's no way I can be healed. It's impossible. It's too far gone. That relationship can't be mended. It's impossible. We start getting impossible in our vocabulary, and God's like, no, 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 no. Impossible isn't in my vocabulary. Why should it be in yours? Nothing is impossible through me. We are not allowed to define what's too big for God because nothing is. For Sarah, she was defining, this is too big. God, there's no way. I've given up on this. I don't know where, you're, where you are right now. I don't know if you're, you've experienced this. Um, I know I have. But something I also want to point out here in that text is that right after he says that, he says, at the appointed time, at the appointed time, There is a difference between anointing and appointing. An anointing is is basically the start, a commissioning of a a set purpose. You are commissioned to go do something. Um, You are set apart for a purpose, a divine purpose. But the appointing is when you are put in that position to do so, right? You see this with David. David was anointed at the age, I don't know, he was a teenager. He was young. But he wasn't appointed until he was 30. Now, that seems like a decent amount of time. And you think, well, I want to be anointed and appointed at the same time. A lot of times it doesn't work that way. That's not how God works because the in-between matters. He wasn't ready to be a king yet at the age of 15, 16. He wasn't. But he was ready after that time period when he was 30 years old. He, was, he became a warrior. God changed him. He got him ready. He became a strong king, a man after God's own heart. He, got him, he prepared him for the fulfillment of the promise. You see, we hate this gap. We hate this. We hate it. Because we live in a microwave World where everything is instantaneous. Internet, Netflix, everything is instantaneous. Everything you want is at your fingertips. But a lot of times that's not how God works. And so something interesting that I learned is how bamboo grows. This is bamboo. And uh, specifically Chinese bamboo. 
Now, Chinese bamboo grows over a five-year period, and uh, you'll put the seed down, water it, and uh, water it, water it, water it, water it, water it, water it, over and over again for five years. And then at the end of the five years, you'll finally see something. You see, for the first nearly five years, you don't see anything on the surface. You heard me right. You're watering it and you see nothing for five years. But then in the fifth year, you'll see a little sprout. And then in six weeks, it'll grow up to 90 feet. There's actually a video of this. I want to show it. Very fascinating. So, here's the question. Does bamboo, Chinese bamboo, does it grow in six weeks or five years? It grows in five years. You see, when you're watering this plant, or this grass, when you're watering this bamboo, you don't see anything. But what's happening is under the surface, it's growing roots deep and wide. So then when it's ready to grow, it's able to sustain itself and sustain the fast growth. And it's able to be strong and not knock over. And so that's it's so fascinating. Here's the thing. In order to grow Chinese bamboo, you have to do two things. Believe it will come <laughs> and faithfully water it. You have to believe it will come and faithfully water it. After, honestly, after months, I'm like, is it going to come? You know? After a year, is it going to come? After two? But you just have to have faith that it's going to come. And But if you keep watering water, it's going to come when it needs to. Oop, I just poked myself. Just, with, just like, just like, just like bamboo, our role, our role is to believe God's promises will come. Just like the bamboo. You have to believe the promises will come. And you also, your role in God's promises is to, uh, to be faithful in the anticipation of the promise. You have to be faithful in the anticipation. I call this wait, I, it's, I guess it's a waiting period. I don't want to call it a waiting period because it sounds like a doctor's office. But I like to call it the anticipation period. Right? What are you doing in this anticipation period? This should not be wasted. There's things happening right then and there. There's things happening in that anticipation period that's, that matters. This isn't wasted. We should not waste it. God's not wasting it. Because just like the bamboo, you don't see anything, right? But under the surface, it's working. God 
is doing things that you do not see. And he is working things out for your good. And so then you are prepared for the promise. Whatever it is, he is constantly active. He's working constantly. But are you faithful to water it every single day? We don't want to because I don't see anything happening. But I'm going to water it. I'm going to water it. I'm going to water it. What is watering it? Man, that's prayer. It's prayer. The thing is, is that, yes, we don't see what's happening, but God does. And so when we pray, we're in tune with him. We're synced up with him. And we're like, God, I, I believe. I believe your promises will come. I know you have commissioned me to do this, so that this is going to happen. Yes, I believe it, God. But I want to be ready. Do what you need to do with me so that I am ready for that promise. God, I don't know what's going on. I trust you. I know you're working things out in the background, in the, in the, in the, in the ground, all these kinds of stuff. God, I trust you. But I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. This should not be wasted. And we shouldn't waste it. God is working out everything for our good. It's happening. And he is faithful to complete it. It will come. But we should not waste the waiting period, the anticipation period. Now, for Sarah, the bamboo came. Go to Genesis 21, if you would. Genesis 21, verse 1. It says this, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. That's awesome. Verse 2, And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who, had, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. Giggles. Verse 6. Move down to verse 6. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Hear me on this. So amazing. God turned Sarah's laughter of doubt and turned it into laughter of joy. It says that God made laughter for me. And, and Isaac's name is so special there because it means laugh. And she would be reminded of that joy now that she has. Something that she's been waiting for her whole life. God provided that promise that came 25 years ago came to fulfillment, and she was full. All the hurt, all the pain that she experienced her whole life didn't matter anymore. Because God is a promise, keep, promise maker. He's a promise keeper. And he does what he says he's going to do. And for her, she was able to experience the joy of having a child for the first time at the age of 90. And God got all the glory for it. Because he is the only one that could have done that. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. It's awesome. It's so good. Now, I don't know. The prayer team can come up. Uh, pastors and elders can come up. Um, and band and everybody. Um, guys, I don't know. I don't know what you're walking through right now. I don't know if 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 um, you're at the time where, where God is calling you to do something that he's asking you to be someone. If you're trying to figure out if I'm going to go to school, what college I'm going to go to, all that kind of stuff, or you're in this anticipation period of, I don't know, I haven't heard anything, I'm kind of in the waiting, 
don't waste that. But also, if you're just experiencing a, a fulfillment, we want to celebrate with you. But also, this is not just kind of like a one-time thing. This happens over and over and over. Lots of changing in life, right? So what I think is we should not forget what God has already done in our lives. The promises that He's already fulfilled. And so we just need to sync up with Him. God, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Do you want me serving somewhere? Yes, you serve. Is there something I'm supposed to be doing right now? God, should I take this job? I don't know. God, is this what you have planned for me? I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to do this. Only if you lead me this way, God, I'll do it. I don't know. But this is a time that we're just going to be able to just pray with you. If you just need to be ministered to, if we just need to pray over you, we're, we're here. And we will do that. Um, and this is just a time to worship as well. Just let go. All the doubt. Maybe you're just experiencing doubt today. We're about to go into the Christmas season and it could be a really awesome time. It could be a, a time of a lot of hurt. But just be open to the Lord and just let Him speak to you in this moment. I'm going to pray. Thank you.